0: Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time
1: hello welcome back to old time crime gals this is melissa and shannon is back this Yay. week thank goodness missed you guys last week sorry i wasn't able to make it and you're not allowed to miss the episode again all
0: right I it was way too short with me talking to no one <laughs> i'll do my best and thank you for listening to melissa i will <laughs> do my best to be here so hello and welcome back don't know if you're In a rainy place, but we are in rain, rain, rain. Miserable. Yes, it has no... I think we're going to have to start driving boats pretty soon, so... (laughs) Anyway, uh, so, Melissa, are we getting ready to talk about a survival story, right? Yes. It it still involves murder. It still involves
1: crime, but it's more about uh, Mary Vincent, who is a survivor of just this awful attack, and what this... Little girl, because she was 15, that's still a child of mine, yes. had to go through, and then she came out a survivor
0: is just amazing. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing all about it and listening and participating. So we're ready to get it going? We are. Okay. So we're going to go back to the 70s Woo. in California, um, and guys, you know that we live in the southern part of the United States. I know you can probably have figured that out by now. So I know as a child growing up, we were able to just run and play. I lived more in the country, didn't worry about whether I was going to go in the woods or. So the 70s to me seemed and appeared during those times to be pretty safe. Your TV, you didn't have access to. News twenty four seven. Right, the news all <laughs> over the country and the world. So you just didn't worry about things. Um, I know you said something about your grandmother left her doors unlocked. Or- oh yeah,
1: going to play over there, running from house you know across the street, my cousins, and you had fields and woods, and you would just go play, and you didn't worry about anything really. Right, and
0: that's what Except I did. Over, you know, to be home for dinner because you wanted. <laughs> oh yeah, because you were hungry after <laughs> playing all day. So, yeah, I mean, back in the 70s, 80s, it just didn't seem as dangerous. But you also grew up in one part of the United States. And so different people that might have lived in the city or on the Midwest or out west, like what, who, we're going to talk about California. Oh, yes. They may have had a different experience, which obviously in the 70s in California, there were, um, it was a breeding ground for serial killers. That, you had a lot of them. Um. And I mean, a serial killer. I, you know, mine. I just never thought of people like that until probably in the re- most recent years with TV and technology. So uh, it became a cultural hotspot. People were flocking to seek fame and fortune. I'm sure everybody was hoping to get a star um, in Hollywood on the uh, to, for people to walk over and take pictures with, and in front of the Hollywood Sun. And so it just people flock there to try to be an actor, an actress, and the population grew. So when you know when populations grow, crime crime, crime grows, right? So according to the CDC, it was the highest jump in 10 year span for violent crime from 70 to 1979. Uh, just to give you an idea of how bad it was, 1960, there was 37,558 violent crimes reported. In 1970 the number was 94,741. Wow, that's I mean that's like almost 60,000. But that's not even the biggest jump. So what's let's see. Once 1980 hit, it increased to 210,290. Wow, that that's a lot of crime. Back. Violent crime. Violent crime when you think wow, and I just look at TV, <laughs> I mean I don't even know. That's a huge number because You're talking about California, and so you think about all the crime we see now, and you think it's gotten worse, but that's a huge number. The
1: numbers have gone down since, you know, technology, but you got to think back then, it was, you know, there's lots of desert in California, there's remote places that those serial killers would use as dumping grounds, you didn't have the DNA um, technology that they can easily be identified
0: if, you know, trace evidence was left behind, and It's just a different time. (laughs) Which I'm thankful in that case for technology because they are able to get DNA and Mm -hmm. fingerprints and just, you know, and now all the um, like police force and detective agencies are able to share information, which back then was mail or, you know, it took a long time. Um, So yeah. Wow. 210,000. California had lots of places, like you said, that were remote. So remains could decompose before they were even found, right? Mm -hmm. So they would decompose. Um, and they might be just a, a pile of bones. And then you think about DNA wasn't developed. So killing someone was pretty easy and you might be able to even commit what they would say would be the perfect crime, which we've seen in recent years, people have been caught thinking they had the perfect, they had committed the perfect crime. Um, So predators were able to seek out victims pretty easily. They hadn't gotten the concept of stranger danger. And you think now with my children, I just talk to them all the time about being careful, talking to strangers or being in a store. I stay pretty close to them. How about you? Oh, yeah. Uh, One habit that was pretty common back then and culturally acceptable was hitchhiking. That was a deadly game for many. Because there were no cell phones and it was often like Russian roulette. You took a chance every time you got into somebody's car. And, you know, a lot of people, especially runaways or people trying to make it to California to be an actor, or actress, they would hitchhike across the United States. And it was so. the only way they could get there, especially if they were too young to. Have a driver's
1: license or have a car. And that's just what they did to get there.
0: And so now we (laughs) tell us about what we do common where we know. Other people do common voluntarily
1: call up a Uber or Lyft and get in the street. Right, right, right. I've never done that. Um, (laughs) I've done it once and it wasn't even my choice. And it was only because my husband was with me.
0: And it was desperation, right? (laughs) Yes, we were stuck
1: at a train station. But I would not call up a car, even if it was from Uber service and just hop into Because they've even had some. Some murders have happened that way
0: True. recently. Yeah. It's just, it's never a good idea to get in a stranger's car. And I know probably a lot of you, I hope a lot of people are listening and and you may use Uber and Lyft. It, it may be where you're from and that you have to use some sort of transportation um, or a taxi. And of course, now that we have cell phones, that makes it a little bit safer. But I would say always be on your guard because you just need to be able to be Um, defend yourself because you never know what's going to happen and you just have to be careful. So just, you know, we are in the crime podcast business, so we want you to be careful because you just never know. Never, never, never know. So um, anyway, let's get started on our story, Melissa. And can you tell us a little bit about what Mary Vincent, a true survivor. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So we're in California and it's September of 1978. So Mary's 15 and she's a runaway. She's from Nevada, okay. from Las Vegas. She okay. had left her house. She actually had had, um, she has seven siblings. She a big household. And her father was a military man. And she had got word from her sister that he was on his way home and he was ill. And um, he was mad at her. And apparently there was an abusive type relationship. And she actually left to safer life. Wow. In, in her own words, was she, she was running away from a bad situation. Okay. She had family that lived in California. And so in order to get to California, she had to hitchhike. Okay. So she had made it to California. Okay. And she was actually living in unlocked cars. She would sleep in them at night and she was essentially homeless. And I don't know the situation there, but she was just ready to come home. So her family in California, she wasn't
0: staying with them. Then.
1: No. Okay. okay. Um, So she had made it to California, but she was prepared to make the journey back
0: to Nevada. She wanted to go home. Okay. So she was hitchhiking her way back. And, you know, a 15-year-old, your brain's not totally developed. You get mad. You just make a decision on emotion and yeah. just kind of, you know, run away. So and especially if you were running from something that could have been abusive. So now she's trying to get back home because mm-hmm. she's homesick. So how does she do that? Does she? Well, she prepared to make the normal practice. You know, while unsafe,
1: um, it's just cultural. You know, that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Was she hitchhiked? And there were several people, you know, hitchhiking the same road she was on. Um, she had a sign saying that she was headed south, because that was common practice was to write down where where you were heading so that people would pick you up would you know head in that direction. Okay. And um, there was actually two people heading in the same direction with her, okay. like standing next to her and the blue, big blue van came and stopped. And so all three of them were thinking they were going to get a ride with this, this man because he had this nice big van. And so the people that were with her could actually see the back. It was empty.
0: Sometimes you think a work
1: van that has a lot of stuff in the back and like maybe there's not enough room. But they could actually see that there was nothing in there.
0: Well, and two, you gotta think, unless they have curtains over the window back in the seventies, we didn't have all of this darkening film that a lot of people put on their cars. Yeah. The tent. So they I mean, he wasn't very smart. To have his windows open so they could see it was empty. But um, he was an older gentleman, kind of looked like
1: a grandfather. Okay. And um, he announced that he would take a passenger, but he only had room for
0: one. And he wanted Mary to ride. And he had an empty van, but one passenger. Okay.
1: And even the people that were with her warned her, like, look, the van's empty. Like, he's only taking one of us. This is not a good idea. Maybe you just shouldn't go. Even told her not to go. Oh, wow. But okay. she was tired. She was desperate. She wanted to go home. He was heading in the right direction.
0: She gets inside anyway. Oh, wow. I can't even imagine. She's probably hungry and just being desperate. Homesickness can do a lot to you. Yeah. so. So, and she, you know, said he
1: seemed like a grandfather type. You know, that was just her ticket out. She was ready to go. And, you know, looks alone, even kind words can't give you the insight to a person's, you know, true character and intentions. So little did Mary know that she just accepted a ride from larry singleton
0: and he's a truly evil monster so melissa it sounds like uh that people going to california to be actresses aren't the only ones acting because serial killers a lot of times can put on an act and make it come across like we just talked about this one larry singleton being almost like a grandfather type and so that's probably one reason why she got in the van with them, right? Yeah. So a lot of times these guys are a- actors; they never themselves. know who they
1: really are. Yeah. But she's, you know, she was so tired, and she's just
0: finally able to
1: sit down somewhere, and she assumes she's safe. She's in a vehicle, and she fell asleep, which sure. most people do anyway. Just riding in the car is is soothing. And she's tired, so she just falls asleep. She had to be really tired because I just don't think I could.
0: I know I couldn't sleep in a car with a stranger. Even I can't friends. even sleep in
1: a car when my husband's driving. That's Me why I either. drive. Yeah,
0: I can't either. I don't go to sleep. Every time I do, something crazy it, happens. It, I,
1: I have anxiety if I'm not the driver of the car, and my husband will tell you that. So I usually drive everywhere. And even if I'm so tired, I just can't I can't go to sleep. Yeah.
0: But I'm that 15 way.
1: years old gets in the car, she's tired, she goes to sleep, which is common. Um, but you know, it's, it's easy to nap in a moving vehicle and she probably she was sleeping good. She probably got some really good rest. We There's might, no telling how long she was yeah. asleep. Yeah.
0: Well, that when we get to the future, maybe that rest helped her
1: so
0: <laughs> we will find out.
1: That is that is true. She was she was well rested. Yes. Um but when she wakes up, she realizes that they're heading in the wrong direction. She wanted to go south and he was going north. Okay. She saw the road signs. And so then she starts to get a little bit nervous and starts to get more aware of The situation, and she's taking everything in, and she called him out on it. Like, um, you're going the wrong way. I think we're supposed to be going south, and he just pulls on the side of the road. Oh wow! So they're on a deserted road, and she looks down, and her shoes are untied. Okay. So she, you know, fell asleep, and somehow her shoes are untied, and she starts thinking, well, if I have to run away from him, I can't go very far if my shoes are untied. Right. So she opens the door because they're stopped. And she bends down to tie her shoes. Oh, okay. And when she does that, he has gotten out of his side. Okay. And went around the back of the van. She's bending down to tie her shoes. And as she's doing that, he takes a sledgehammer and
0: hits her in the back of the head. Oh, my goodness. So, she just completely blacks out. Okay. Wow. Whew. So, she's blacked out. Mm-hmm. And what happens when she wakes up? Well,
1: when she wakes up, she's in the back of the van. Okay. Because remember, there was nothing back there. Right. So, she's tied up and this is where larry repeatedly rapes and assaults this 15-year-old oh. girl over and over i mean eventually he falls asleep and she still can't go anywhere cuz she's tied up oh man and it just keeps the cycle keeps repeating itself over and over and over again
0: I bet. so she's kind of lost some hope and at hardly...
1: that, yeah at that point she she you know she was just saying kill me now oh, Like wow. she had lost she had lost hope and, you know, it's already bad enough that she's wishing she's dead, but the situation's about to get much, much worse than what oh, it is. Um, so she continuously begs for him to set her free. Okay. You know, please, please just let me go. Let me go. I won't tell anybody. You know, let me, let me out of here. Just please let me leave. And, you know, she promises him over and over again, you know, I'm not going to tell. Just let me go. Right. And so he pulls her out of the van. And this is from her words. So if you ever get a chance to watch the "I Survived," it's it's really um, just inspiring and very suspenseful to hear her tell the story because she's the one who lived it.
0: Wow! And
1: he looks at her and he says, "You want to be set free? I'll set you free." As he swings a hatchet to her arm, oh my god! Grabs her arm and swings this hatchet, and she's she's grabbing on to him really tight, and she's falling backwards. And she, she explains she's falling backwards, but she doesn't know why because she's holding on,
0: she's holding oh, on wow. to him. And she
1: hits the ground and she doesn't realize it, that he just took her arm completely off.
0: And her arm is still... Her arm is just gone. Oh, wow. And I probably felt like if she was still holding on to him, she probably felt like it was there because you get that uh, yeah. phantom yeah. feeling when a limb is cut or well, something. Well, it took a
1: minute for her brain to, to yeah. process what had happened. So <sighs> then the pain starts to come in and oh. she... You can. She realize looks down and realizes her arm is just gone. It's not there. Okay. And so now she's feeling all the pain. You know the hot blood that's just pouring from her from her arm, um, from you know at her elbow, and you know then she starts screaming and kicking because he grabs her right arm. So one arm's already gone, and now he's going to go grab the other arm. So now she's fighting. She's kicking. She's screaming. And because she's fighting so hard, it takes longer to cut the other arm off. Like it was a really swift good for just her one fighting. or two but then it, he has to keep chopping wow so i don't oh. know if that made it worse or because okay. i mean the other one came off really quick she didn't know what happened and this she's fighting she's fighting yeah. and kicking, and he's just chopping chopping away at trying Aww. to get her arm off um but that happens and he he finishes it and she's just laying on the ground you know bleeding to death because she's lost both her arms Oh wow. and she glances up and sees him and he's just jumping around and shaking and and trying she just doesn't know what's you know, going on. Like, and he's panicking. But then she realizes her arm, her right arm is still hanging on to his oh, shirt my Where he cut it off. And he's trying to flick it off of himself. So, on the ground.
0: That you like, <laughs> know, okay. You're just gonna sit there and do what you did to this precious young girl. But now you're scared <laughs> about this arm being stuck to your arm I, and you're jumping around. I just can't um, like imagine. Yeah, me either. But, but what a uh Mm, so it, evil man. Uh, yeah. So she's
1: lost both her arms and she's just laying on the ground. And at the, I guess he thought she was dead because okay. she wasn't kicking anymore. She wasn't screaming. She was probably in shock. Okay. Uh, and just laying there, just not knowing what to do yeah. next. So he drags her and picks her up and throws her down a thirty foot cliff, like oh, embankment. Just tosses her over over the to die.
0: Wow. And just throws her over. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Wow, I can't even. Mm. So she's lost both arms at this point, Mm -hmm. and now he's bleeding profusely, and now he's just thrown her off of a cliff. So you got thirty feet. Yeah. Mm. So as
1: the result of the fall, she breaks four ribs. So now you've got (laughs) it's crazy because she got um, she's lost all that blood. She's been up for 24 to 48 hours because she has stayed up through this entire yeah, assault after. process because she couldn't go
0: to sleep because I mean who would be able to all you know
1: with everything going on and how so, about
0: so being thrown like that she didn't break anything but the ribs so she didn't just the just the ribs Wow. Well, not to have broken a leg or anything yeah. Wow okay so
1: you know she's really tired she's she's cold. And really just wants to sleep. And okay. that's just your body telling you right. to, to, sh- to shut down. Right. Um, but she also had a thought in the back of her mind that he can't do this to anybody else. If I don't ca- if we don't get him caught, he's going to do it again. Right. And so then she wanted to wield herself to stay awake and to continue to fight to live. Wow. And so never underestimate what you're capable of, because I would have never thought anybody in that position would be able to overcome any of that. That's right. Wow. So then survival instinct begins to kick in. Now, I don't know how she knew to do I don't think I would know to do this, but she sticks her arms down in the dirt in the mud okay. and kind of packs it. Okay. So it stops the bleeding. So oh, it kind of like, okay. and that's a, that's a survival tactic.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so that dirt mud mixture sticks to her arms and where they were severed and stops some of the bleeding. Okay. But then she begins to crawl back up the cliff. This is a 30-foot cliff that she was thrown down. <sighs> And she makes her way back up. Now it took her all day. So this was in the morning when he threw her over. Wow. After all the whole night. Yeah. And it takes her all day to climb to the top. Man. By the time she made it back up to the top,
0: night was coming again. So she had to just be really worn out. I just she had survival in her. She was fighting. Wow. And yeah.
1: So she reaches the top and it's nightfall. So there's no lights. So, it's just she had moonlight and stars, and that's it. Okay. But she could hear traffic. Like, over a hill in the distance, she could hear there was, like, a freeway. Okay. And she just kept repeating in her head, if I can get to the freeway, if I can get to the traffic, somebody will see me. Right. And that gave her hope Mm -hmm. to hear the traffic. But three miles was what she had to walk. It took her all night. She didn't reach the road until the
0: next day. So, you got to think, she's climbed all day and walked all night. And then, of course, she... (laughs) I wonder if she had any shoes on. Did we already mention? No no, no shoes? No shoes. Okay,
1: no shoes. No shoes. She was completely naked. Oh, wow. Okay. Missing both arms
0: and Mm. four broken ribs and makes her way back up and
1: just This makes
0: me sad, you know, (laughs) just sad for her. And But, wow. Okay. All right. So what happens when she walks the three miles? But she finally reaches the
1: road. Okay. Finally. And she sees a red sports car with a convertible top, just two guys cruising down the road. So she's you know screaming, help me, help me, and they drive off. They were like, nope, not happening. Aww. But and she even said it in her mind. You, she probably looked like something from a horror movie. Yeah. You have this girl coming from you know nowhere, walking down the road, missing arms, bleed, blood all over. Her. Yeah. She has no clothes on. You know, they probably thought it was the zombie apocalypse or, yeah, or, <laughs> hey,
0: something might be coming behind her and we don't yeah, want to stick she, around. So
1: I am really hope that they saw the news and, and you know, kind of felt guilty because I would. Yeah. Or but, at least got somewhere to call, or for call help. Yeah. I just, but they, they have gone on. So at that point she's thinking really, she's going to die out here. She's made it this far. She has seen somebody and they just left her. Wow. So, she starts walking down the middle of the road. Can't miss her if she's walking down the middle of the road. Exactly, I would say. And a newlywed couple who were on their honeymoon, driving around, they had gotten lost. And they ended up on that road, and they found her. And they immediately pulled her into the car, were racing to get to a phone, and called for help. Okay. Well, good for them. So, she does make it to the hospital. Helicopter comes and airlifts her to the hospital. So, she's made it through. She's going to survive. Now, they just have to catch the monster that did it. So Mary's at the hospital and it turns out she had lost over half the blood in her body. Wow. And then what blood she did have left was toxic. And the only reason she was able to even survive was she was so young and healthy. Okay. And that her body was just given those conditions under fight and flight just pushed through.
0: Okay. If she was
1: any older or unhealthy or if it was me, we would not <laughs> we would not make it. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. So even, you know, now she's in the hospital, she's on the man, she finally has a chance to rest, she refuses. She doesn't want to go to sleep until she works with police to come up with a composite sketch of her attacker. Wow. So she, while everything is fresh in her mind, before she forgets, she doesn't want to rest, she just wants to get it down on paper, find this guy.
0: Yeah, she definitely had to have had her adrenaline take over because I, I just think of the pain, you know.
1: But as a result, because she was so... Diligent and keeping details and making sure she could replay it back and be accurate. And just 10 days later, they identified her attacker and arrested them.
0: 10 days. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good.
1: And so she didn't have to see him again until they were in court six months later. Okay. But just two weeks after the incident, she had already gotten um, prosthetic arms and she was, you know, well on the mend. But... Um, during his trials, she had to sit like within ten feet of him and recount everything that you know he had put her through, which is terrifying to even think about that he's right there. you know he's the one who did this to you, and now you have to talk about it, and he's just no remorse, no just very cold, obviously doesn't feel any kind of emotion over what he did. Oh, wow mm. and of course, he got sentenced. he was convicted of rape and attempted murder, and he was sentenced to fourteen years imprisonment. Okay, which seems like nothing compared to what
0: she went through. Right. Yeah.
1: Um. But at the time that was the maximum penalty that the judge could okay. sentence. He even said it like, if it was up to me, you'd be in jail until like the rest of your natural life. Yes. But this is what I can legally do. Wow. So they gave him the maximum amount of time that they could. But when it was over and she was leaving the courtroom, she had to walk right by him, like just a few inches away. And he looks at her. These are her, her words. He says, "Quote: If it's the last thing I do, I'll finish the job." Unquote. Oh wow! That, that that's bone that's chilling. That's
0: scary. Yes, that's very bone chilling. And then she's, I mean, he's going
1: to be locked away, but he's only going to be locked away for 14 years, yeah, at the most.
0: And then you know, he can try to find her. And wow!
1: And so this is what makes me so mad
0: about the the system. Okay. So after serving
1: seven of those years, just half of his sentence, he was released. For good behavior. I was going
0: to ask, was it good behavior? Good
1: behavior because they know how to act well and follow the rules when it benefits them. He was the actor. So he was a teacher's
0: aide in the prison. A teacher's aide? A teacher's aide, Oh, my goodness.
1: And did good behavior. So they they paroled him after just half a sentence.
0: So that was in 1987. But there was so much
1: outrage in public. Just people were mad because they knew what had happened and what he had done that there was protest every city they tried to place him in. Like, they would just, 500 people at a time would show up. He would get death threats. They were like, he's not living in this area. Who would want that person to live in your neighborhood?
0: Exactly. That's right. And so
1: they had nowhere to put him. So they put him in a trailer on the prison property in San Quentin and told him to live out the rest of his probation at the prison, but not in prison because they couldn't do anything else with him.
0: Wow. But today, they just let let people go anywhere. Yeah. But back then, they put him on the prison grounds?
1: They put him on the prison grounds in a trailer.
0: trailer that, to keep him safe because
1: he was getting death threats and wow. people wanted to attack him. Mm. So, taxpayers' dollars to put him up in a place yes. when he should have just been at the prison and never released to begin with.
0: Yes. Whew, that's scary. Alright, well, so she's having to go out and live with the fact that he said he was going to finish the job and I imagine she had to work a long time to kind of feel safe again, but she did go on to get married and have two children. Mm-hmm. She also became an artist and tries to stay out of the public eye. She did win a civil suit against Singleton um, for two point five fifty six million, But guess what? He was poor. <laughs> he was poor. couldn't pay. He was living on the prison grounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he couldn't pay that. And just can't imagine the mental state. That she was thrown into um, when she found out he was getting paroled, especially after everything she had been to. Well, now she had two sons
1: and a family that she was fearing for. So she she couldn't stay in one place very long because who knows if he's coming around the corner to try to track her down and finish
0: that job. So she had to move all around and then she ended up living in an abandoned gas station. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So he had threatened to come and finish the job and now he was out. I guess that thought probably really haunted her wherever she went, like you said, and she was always looking over her shoulder. Um, This also catapulted legislation against the justice system for released violent criminals when torture was involved. Mary Vincent helped lead the charge to pass California's Singleton bill in 1987 after his release. So she worked to help other victims. So now there's
1: a law in place that they can't release Violent criminals who use torture early,
0: okay, for good behavior, (laughs) yes, because yes, and that's good, that's a good law. The singleton bill, all right. So, once his parole was over, he found somewhere that would take him Mm -hmm. and he returned to his native Florida. He continued to get caught doing different petty um thefts, stealing, uh, like a disposable camera. And a $3 hat. In 1997, he stabbed a woman to death by the name of Roxanne Hayes. During his trial for that conviction, Mary flew down to Florida to give her testimony again.
1: Yep, the state actually flew her in. to, um, Because some of the jurors, you know, they're all the way in Florida. They may not have known what had happened in California. And so what better way to convince the jury to put this man away is to hear from his victim. Of all this torture and abuse that she, you
0: know, had to go through. So after they heard all of this, what was what was the sentence after this? When because I'm sure that had a huge impact. Oh yeah, they deliberated
1: I think for like three hours, maybe a little under four, and he was sentenced to death. Okay. Was he ever executed for his crimes? Uh, he was not, but he died of cancer in 2001.
0: Okay. And I wonder if he had other. Um, Oh, we're going to find out about if he had other hitchhikers he might have picked up. So let's talk about (laughs) Mary first. Sorry about that.
1: (laughs) But if you have a chance to look Mary up, she actually, she's an artist. She draws and her art is amazing. Um, Now, without having to move around and knowing where Larry is and he's, you know, dead now, she can settle down in one residence without having to move around. And so she has um, her two sons that live with her and they have, you know, dogs, hamsters, parrots. Um, there's an article in the Seattle post that contains some of her pictures and her prosthetic arms were, um, she has some, that they have like two prongs, like a little claw and they can't move around much. Um, and it kind of hurts when she draws. So what she does, she likes to tinker with things was how she put it. She took old radio parts and old parts of refrigerators and kind of custom make her Mm -hmm. own little attachments so that she can draw and she plays pool and she goes bowling
0: Oh, and she's wow. um, definitely full of life. It sounds like she really found a way to enjoy life and make the most out of what happened to her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely go check out her artwork if you have a chance. And then we're also, it's also a good reminder of um, how the sometimes the justice system fails.
1: Yeah, repeat violent offenders often get released under good behavior. Um, that law is, you know, that's a California law. That's not a Florida law or, you know, North Carolina law. So sometimes we okay. see it where a, offenders get released and then they go back to doing exactly what they were doing before, you know, before they got caught. And
0: so, I, yeah, I yeah. So,
1: Iowa, I have no doubt in my mind that Mary
0: was not his first hitchhiker that he picked up this way. Yeah. And that's what I was about to say while ago. I, I didn't think because he was you just, don't just go straight from zero to that. Right. And he was prepared. He had the stuff it, in his van and it sounds like he was calm. You know, he was ready to do what he had planned in his mind to do. So um, he did. He underestimated Mary, though, because uh, she survived. And so she wanted to make sure that he would never do that again to someone else, especially after what happened to Roxanne. She helped put him behind bars where he belonged. And uh, the first time he didn't stay there very long. But through her work with the trial for Roxanne, he ended up getting, uh, I guess he was the death penalty, but then he died of cancer. Mm -hmm. So um, through her hard work and determination, laws were passed to make sure that what happened to Roxanne doesn't happen again by a violent offender getting out because they can be good inside the system and use it to their advantage. So thank you, Mary Vincent, for um, surviving and just working hard to make sure it couldn't happen um to others. So just thank you for sharing your story. And everyone out there, just you know, make sure you stay safe and uh, watch out for different things. Even if you take a taxi or an Uber lift or don't any, I mean, Just just use comp. yeah, don't hitchhike and just use common sense and, and keep yourself stay uh, safe. So um yeah. So thank you for joining us and yep, thanks for listening this week.
1: Always you can hit us up on our Facebook group. You can email us at Old Time Crime Gals. At gmail.com. You can follow us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your
0: podcast. And don't forget remember, if you do the crime, it'll catch up with you in time. And we'll talk about it.